The Rebbe starts off the Sikha by saying that we explained many times that the Derech of Rashi in his explanation on Torah is to explain all difficult matters, anything that might not be understood, in Pshutah Shomikra, in the simple meaning of the Pasuk. And if there's anything that seems to be not understood in the simple meaning of the Pesukim, and Rashi does not explain it, that must be a proof that according to Rashi, these things are self-explanatory, they're self-understood in a very, very easy way that there's no need to explain them. Says the Rebbe, this could be proven from the fact that in a number of places Rashi writes, any day I don't know what this is teaching us, or similar sorts of expressions. If Rashi would not have in mind to explain everything that needs clarification, there would no, be no need in certain psukim for Rashi to tell us that I don't know what these psukim are teaching us. That itself tells us that wherever there is a need, and Rashi is not telling us that he doesn't know, Rashi either is telling us the explanation or it's clear that we should know the explanation by ourselves. According to the says the Rebbe, we need to understand why Rashi doesn't explain anything on the following posseganah in Parshas Matos. In the end of Parsha of Nedorim, of vows, the posseg says, Eila, chukim, these are the statutes that Hashem commanded Moshe, ben ishle ishtoi, between man and his wife, ben av lebito, between a father and daughter, ben in her youth, ben savia, when she's in her father's house. Seemingly, it's not understood, since this Pasuk seems to be like a short, a short summary of the dinim of the vows that were discussed earlier. So in this short summary, seemingly, it should have said the most important idea of what a neder is, of what a vow is, that a person has the obligation to fulfill his vow. That which says in the beginning of the Parsha, that when a person takes a vow or makes a promise or takes a prohibition upon himself, he shouldn't profane his words and everything that he does, promises he should do. And then the pastor could have concluded after discussing the summary of that you need to fulfill your vows, also with this detail whether, about, the, about the dinim between a husband and his wife, a father and his daughter, and so on. Now, even though it's true that the pastor starts off with Eila HaChukim Moshe, and choik, as we know, is something that's a mitzvah that we don't actually understand the reason for. And therefore it would be understood that, that the Pasuk wouldn't be able to include the actual obligation for fulfilling a promise because that wouldn't be considered a choik. That wouldn't be considered a mitzvah that we don't understand the reason and we're just doing it as a decree of the king. Because the Pasuk says clearly the reason, which means he shouldn't make his words chulin, he shouldn't profane his words. And this is why, that's why he should do everything that he promised. The Pasuk itself is explaining why he needs to do everything he promised. However, the details of being Ishli Ishtoi, of how a person could go ahead and annul his wife's vows and a father his daughter's vows, and those dinim, those things we don't have a reason, those could be considered a choik. So we understand that once it said, we wouldn't be able to say the actual halacha of keeping a vow. However, the Rebbe says this itself needs clarification. Why did the Pasuk need to say chukim when seemingly the idea of nidorim, as we said, is not something really that's beyond our understanding and so why are we using the term chukim and we're speaking only about the details, certain details of the nedorim, and why aren't we speaking about the general concept of a neder in this short summary? So the Rebbe says the explanation is, it's understood simply that the actual halacha, that a person needs to fulfill his vow, doesn't even need a pasuk at all. 
This is something that our simple logic dictates. In fact, it's also included in what it says, Medvar Sheker Tirchok, to stay away from falseness and lies, even though it's not exactly the same thing. It's also understood from the general concept of a Shavua and making a covenant, which is explained a number of times in the Torah. And that's why we find the idea of Nedarim, of vows, even before Matan Torah. The Pesach says, Vayidr Yaakov, Nedar Yaakov makes a vow. He says, Vayidr Yaakov, that this stone will be a house for Hashem. Then Hashem says to him, he speaks to him about the vow that you had made for me, and now go and leave this land and go back to the land of your birth. And Rashi explains on the words, Hashem Nodartoli, that you need to pay your, your, your vow that you had promised that you'll make this base, this house for Hashem and bring carbonis. And this is what we find in the Torah, even before the parsha of Nadarim, a number of things which are in the same category as a nether. And the Pasuk doesn't even have to mention the actual obligation to fulfill a nether. Rather, just gives us certain details and certain ideas that branch out from the concept of a nether. For example, the Pasuk speaks about the dinim of Erkin when a person takes a vow and promises to give the value of a certain individual to Hashem. So the Pasuk only goes ahead and clarifies exactly what amount of money needs to be given. Or the example of a Nazir. The Pasuk there also says if a man or a woman make a neder to be a Nazir to Hashem. So the Pasuk only goes ahead and describes the dinim of a Nazir. Doesn't say the actual halacha that you need to keep the promise. Because as said before, the actual obligation to fulfill a promise is something that's self-understood. Says the Rebbe, this is also understood from the Pasuk, Vayidar Yisrael Neder Lashem. Where the Pasuk says that the Yidin had made a promise. When they were being, when, when, the, when the, uh, the nation of the Canaanim or Amalekim as it was, came and fought against the Yidin. And the Yidin made a promise that I'm going to give away their cities to Hashem. And the Yidin fulfilled the Neder Practically, as the Pasuk says, that is, that even then, that is before this particular parsha of Nadarim, it was known to them the concept of making a nether and the obligation to fulfilling a nether. If so, when the Pasuk in our parsha comes along and speaks about, if a person makes a vow to Hashem or makes a promise, how he's not allowed to profane his words and he, everything he said he has to do, the Pasuk isn't coming to tell us a new halacha, a new din that we wouldn't have known as it seems to be at first glance. Rather, it's more as an introduction to what's going to be told afterwards. It's as if the Pasuk is saying, in regards to the Nidorim, which the general halacha is known, that you have to fulfill all your promises. So there are certain halachas in the case of a married woman and in the case of a young girl in her father's house, and that's the Chiddush of what this Pasha is coming to talk about. If so, it's understood simply, and Rashi doesn't even have to explain it, that when the Pasuk at the end of the Pasha is coming to summarize what was discussed over here, the halachas that were discussed over here, what was being taught in this Pasha, there's no need to mention the actual halacha that you need to keep your promise, because that's not the Chiddush at all in this Pasha. Says the Rebbe, based on this will also be understood, and be very geshmak, what Rashi writes in the beginning of the Pasha, on the words that, Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to Rashi Hamatois, to the head of the tribes. Rashi tells us that this honor was given to the Nasim to teach them the halachis first. And why was that said over here? Because this teaches us that haforas nadarim, that to annul a vow, this could be done by a yachid mumche, by an individual, one person that's an expert. 
If there's no expert, then you can annul a vow even with three simple regular people. The question is, even though it's true that we could prove from the idea that this parasha of Nadarim is said to the heads of the tribes, that there's something unique over here that's being said about experts and about heads of tribes, but in Pshutish or Mikro, how would we know that the point that's trying to be made about great Rabbonim and heads of tribes is not about something to do with making a vow, but rather just the opposite. It's about annulling a vow. But based on what we explained, it's all understood. The way we explained it is that the whole partial of is not coming to tell us the actual Allah that you need to keep your promises. It's coming to tell us certain details about a young woman or a married woman, how, how the father or the husband can annul the vow. And that's the Chiddush of the Parsha, how the father or the husband could come ahead and annul the vow. This is something that we would definitely not understand on our own. The fact that they have to keep their vow, that wouldn't be a Chiddush at all. That of course they have to keep their vow, whether she's a daughter in her father's house or a married woman in her husband's house. Of course they have to keep the vow, just like any nether. So when the parasha is coming along over here and speaking about that, that Moshe Rabbeinu is speaking to Rashi Amatis, to the leaders of the tribes, what, what's the f- main focus of our parasha? It's about the Chiddush of the parasha, which is about annulling vows. So that's what the hint over here is, that when Moshe Rabbeinu is speaking to the leaders, it's coming to hint that the leaders and the Rabbanim and an expert can also come along and annul a vow. Says the Rebbe, this idea that the Limud, to Rashi Amatis is specifically speaking about annulling vows, could also be understood. Why? This needs to be so. Specifically, this idea of annulling the vow, how this is Davka Shaykh to someone on a much greater level. It says the Rebbe, it's not what it says in the Yerushalmi regarding the Dorim. Yerushalmi says, isn't it sufficient for you? What the Torah had already made Asur, but you're looking to make more Isurim on yourself, you're trying to take more prohibitions on yourself. And the reason for this is understood because the Abishta's idea and the, fulfill, the fact that we need to fulfill Torah and mitzvahs was all that we should be able to make a place for Hashem. If that's the case, it's understood that we need to be working along with the Gashmi as the things. We need to make from them a place for Hashem and not to separate from the world through promises and vows. On the other hand, we know that Azal tells us, Nidorim, Siaglaprishus, that Nidorim, this is a fence and this helps us to be able to abstain, to be able to stay away from things. It helps us in the command of Kaddish, to be sanctified, and even those things that are permissible to us. How do these two things go together? So the Rebbe says, it's explained already in other places, that the difference is as follows. When a person is acting in the proper way, in the good and straight way, we tell him that it's enough already what the Torah had made Osur, and therefore, you don't have to be increasing in matters of Nadorim because they're going to stop you from serving the Abishter and to be able to refine and elevate the Gashmi's world. However, a person that's not acting in the proper way, a person that there is concern about him, that the Gashmi's may end up pulling him down, we tell him in Nadorim Siogla Precious, he has to take certain vows. Based on this, it's understood that the ultimate goal is when we're on such a high level where there's actually an advantage to annul the vow. That means to say that there was technically a situation where there was a vow needed, and now we're a step beyond that, that we can annul that vow, and we could elevate the world. So when the Torah is trying to hint to us, 
something that's specifically connected to Nidorim, but that's going to be connected to a Yachid Mumcha, to an expert, to someone on a very high level, or at least to three people, which is like a base din. So again, because they're on a high level, it's understood that we're not speaking about something that we need these people in order to help us keep a promise. Rather, the whole Chiddush is that they can help us annul the promise, meaning that they can help us be elevated to a level where we don't even need that promise in order to be able to deal with the world. It says the Rebbe, based on this, that the whole point of the Parsha is about Haforas Nadarim annulling the vows, will also understand why this Parsha of Nadarim is specifically said just before the Eden go into Eretz Yisrael. The main difference between the Avoid of Bnei Yisrael and the Midbar to the Avoid of Eretz Yisrael is that in the Midbar they weren't so involved in Gashmi, Yisrael things. They were being sustained by Lechem and Hashemayim, by the bread of heaven, the mud. They drank the water from Be'erushal Miriam, from the well of Miriam. They didn't even have to be worried about clothing because their, glo- their clothing grew along with them. Whereas in Eretz Yisrael they're going to have to be involved in plowing and sowing, etc., but it's specifically this Avoida I said before, that's the whole purpose of Hashem's Kavana to make the world a place for Hashem. And this is why when they're about to go into Eretz Yisrael and be involved in this Avoida, they're being told the parsha of Haforas Nadorim, of annulling the vows, which as explained means that we have the power to deal with the Gashmias, the things, and not stay away from them. However, since practically in this parsha it also speaks about the fact of making a nether and keeping a nether, and this too is said just before they go into Eretz Yisrael, before they're involved in Gashmizika things. It's understood that here too there's a hirah of how we have to deal with the Avoidah. And that is, the idea of Nedorim as said before is lo yachel dvori, not to profane his words, not to make all of his matters chulin, not to make all of his matters just simple and mundane. That means that the way he has to deal with, deal with Gashmias is to make that all of his Gashmizika matters shouldn't be chulin, shouldn't just be regular weekday or mundane things, but to bring Kedusha into them. That's Pshat Yachil Dvoroi. And since this Eirah is hinted within the Nedarim themselves, within the vows themselves, it's understood that everyone has the ability to do this. Even a person that's maybe not even holding on the level of Aforas Nedarim, of annulling a vow. That means he's even a person that has to still, still stay away from Gashmi Yisdika things. We say to him also that he has the ability that his things shouldn't be in completely chuladik away, but in a kedushadik away. And the reason is, as the pasuk says, being ishli ishtoi between husband and wife and father and daughter, because every single yid is like considered like the wife of Hashem. Every single yid is considered like the daughter of Hashem. And surely the Eibushter gives us the koyach to be able to do this avoda and fulfill his rotting to make this world a dira for Hashem down here below.